0: They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: What does motion sound like? With Kizzik Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the
0: magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizikcom slash socks.
1: Squadcast hates you, my man. I'm not sure what's going on. I have no idea what is going on.
2: It's been a pretty smooth system, and my internet is just screaming fast when I speed test it, but it does not like Squadcast or something.
1: I wonder if we need to reach out to Squadcast and just ask what the hell's going on because it shouldn't. The fact that you can't even get it. What does it say when you log in through your computer? Low bandwidth, which is ridiculous.
2: Like, I can bring up Google Meet or Zoom or anything else and just have really high-quality, high-definition video calls with people. Something has changed, whether it was an update on my system or a Squadcast
1: update that doesn't like my system or something. Frustrating, man. Frustrating. Well, I'm glad that you're back, my man, because... um... We've been, I've been receiving a bunch of DMs and text messages like, is Cody okay? Yeah. And my response
3: is Cody's fishing. (laughs) Yeah. Fishing and
2: gardening. So Cody's doing fine.
1: Yeah. I saw, I actually saw an Instagram story of um, your wife, and I think it was a video of, it was a story, it was a video. and she took it through your new greenhouse, right? Yeah, I got a greenhouse, and uh, it's, the gardening's a little out of control right now. And she was like, "I've lost my husband forever, and you were potting plants and like eating dirt and just getting all, yeah. all, all whole gardening.: part, but Definitely uh,
2: got a couple hundred plants going right now. A couple of hundred. Yeah,
1: yeah, it went big. Do you still have snow on the ground in Colorado right now?
2: Not where I'm at, no. Not at 7,000 feet. You can look out the window and still see
1: it up on Pike's Peak at 14,000, but no, not here. So if you've got 100 plants, are they all in the greenhouse or are they in the ground already? Um, about half and half. I mean, all of the cool weather stuff
2: like peas and, and lettuce and those kind of things have been outside for three weeks now um <laughs> i put my first tomatoes and peppers in a little test run out uh a week ago and i think the cold nights are kind of stunting them a little bit because the tomato i got tomatoes in the greenhouse that are four foot tall oh jeeks which is way ahead of schedule for colorado that's what i like about the greenhouse is i can
1: kind of trick them into thinking it's it's late you, June are you heating the greenhouse or is it just natural
2: I have a little space heater that goes in there that has a thermostat on it. And it kicks on if it gets below sixty.
1: What's the what are the nights looking like right now? If they say you're stunting the growth,
2: we're still getting down in the forties
1: at oh, night okay. here.
2: So it's a little little much for tomatoes and peppers and stuff. But
1: hmm. are you are they have you built like raised beds or have you put like a big compost type in the ground garden? No, no, no. I live on a rock. Like it's not even
2: that it's bad <laughs> dirt; it's a rock. So everything is raised beds and containers outside.
3: Oh, uh-huh. but so
1: fresh veggies every night, huh?
3: Um, lettuce.
1: Are the, kids sick, are the kids sick of lettuce yet? Ah, uh, the kids
2: don't really eat it very much. Desmond, <laughs> Desmond loves my butter lettuce on his. Uh, Hamburger. Oh uh, and Irvin's Urban's it take a cattle prod to get Urban to eat vegetables, so we're still working on that. Well,
1: have you tried the the PF Chang's lettuce wrap recipe at home yet?
2: Um, I have in the past, all
1: with purchased
2: ingredients. I love PF Chang's lettuce rolls. Lettuce wraps. Um, but yeah, no, this and this butter lettuce will be perfect for Yeah, it. exactly.
1: Like, I I bet you freaking avery could knock out a storm of a sort of wild game based pf chang's lettuce wrap
2: yeah that's the that's the plan we've got all kinds of ideas i just have to uh and i have some really good looking plants right now um you know it's just a matter of how many you're gonna fruit and i this year i went with the uh i'm gonna plant two to three times as many as we need because who knows how many I'll kill, and I just won't grow very well, and they won't fruit out. So it's just like, uh, I'm going to win this battle with uh, massive amounts of plants. as it's, it's, uh, <laughs> One of them's got to kick some tomatoes, and one of them's got to kick some peppers. Yeah, I got seven varieties of peppers and four oh, varieties shit. of tomatoes. And- Jeez. I like I like it a lot, man. Like I really like going out there too much. Probably like I got other projects around the house that are suffering for sure right
1: now. Well, I'm building a retaining. Uh, I'm extending the patio behind the house, and I built a. I'm building a retaining wall, and then I'll you know put a couple of yards of sand on it, and then cap it with maybe a yard or two of fine gravel for a fire pit area. And did an amazing amount of work last weekend, and then. At the end of the workday, I'm going out there and and trying to like, you know, do a, a piece at a time. And the frickin' one of the sides was just a little off to start with. Like the rebar that I put down was just a little off. Right. And by the time you you climb three layers up, it's way off. Mm-hmm. If you're not. So I had to pull the one side yesterday. That was so bloody frustrating. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not that.
2: Uh... I'm horrible at projects. Like, I told Avery in the very beginning that I can build things that will last. They're just going to look like the person that built them didn't know what they were doing. Like, that's kind of my my uh, project description. And then she cut me loose on the cabin, and I think everything... I built a, a, a shed into a cabin. Right. And uh, the man I think cave. everything that's in there will last... You know, as long as the shell of that shed lasts, the stuff that the walls that I framed and everything will last, but it really looks like... I mean, if you went and looked at the drywall or the bed that I built or any of those things, it's not going anywhere. But it looks like an orangutan built it for sure.
1: <laughs> How was the... Um, uh, uh, Gaspar and I were, were jibing a little bit on your catch and release of Torturing Trout. How many uh how many trout did you torture last week? Uh me individually, maybe a dozen. Um the
2: fishing was a little slow. It's not a great time of it not a great time of year up here because everything's blown out and muddy and,
1: and when's this, the best time of year to fish? End of the summer?
2: Well, you just want to give it another month, but we had a very specific trip planned that that dictated the dates. Um, and it got canceled because of the super heavy snows. And then we got, we, we are inundated with rain for the last three weeks, like, like a monsoon. Every single day for several hours, we're getting anywhere from a half an inch of rain a day to two inches of rain a day. Um, you know, me as a gardener, you know, miniature farmer i just bitch i bitch when there's no rain and i gotta water everything and then i bitch when there's too much rain but so the the fishing was uh you know everybody caught a fish and everybody caught a pretty big fish um but the fishing was slow but this is a group of old old friends of mine i mean one of them i've literally been friends with for 40 years and uh and then three marine corps buddies and a new fishing buddy from mine around here we had a blast i mean it was a great you know it was a guy's trip but we stayed at my house and and uh, so that makes it a little easier than trying to organize all the food and drink and everything it's just here at the house and no it's phenomenal phenomenal time even with uh, slightly slow fishing fishing wasn't horrible it was just kind of slow gotcha 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 gotcha
1: well um I know that uh, we've... Did we only get one one text message, right? It's been a while since we did text messages.
2: Yeah, well, we've gotten a couple kind of check-in text messages. Uh, Them checking in on you,
1: like, how are you, Cody? I'm good. Yeah, I'm a farmer kind of. now. We got yeah.
2: one... <laughs> oh, crud. Hang on just a second. I forgot to write it down. We got one
1: about... Uh, I know we got one about the Roundup audio two audios ago, and, and that was my fault i was recording on a zoom um in new zealand and i couldn't figure out the freaking stereo channels and i couldn't and then i I didn't have enough time to play around in adobe premiere to sort of s- separate the channels out so lewis came in super soft jack came in super soft i came in super loud so apologies we, there user we got error one
2: about um a deal in Oklahoma that I wanted. Oh yes, to... yes, yes.
1: That was a that was an email.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no wonder I can't find it in the text message list. You're right. That was an email.
1: Yeah, it was oh. from uh, Branson Shelton talking about Southeast Oklahoma Three Rivers Wildlife Management Area, 203,000 acres. Looks like the Wildlife Conservation Department are letting go of 30,000 acres of publicly accessible land. I've never heard of what this and just. Uh, we certainly are going to look into it and see. Uh, I'm just going to type in Three Rivers Management Area, public ground for sale and see what happens.
2: Yeah, we definitely got it. We definitely got that. Uh, Dave Gittleson constantly sends trail camp pics, which is awesome. I love looking at his trail camp pics. He had a bobcat. Ah, here's,
1: here's something Three Rivers WMA, 203,000 acres. Um, the land encompassed within the Three Rivers Wildlife Management Area is privately owned by the Warehouser Company and is available to the public by purchasing a land access fee permit. I wonder if Warehouser is selling. That's probably what's happening. I know that oh. Warehouser is, uh, is certainly downsizing all across the southeast. Um, so it could be that Weyerhauser is selling.
2: Well, and that's Definitely
1: uh we'll check it
3: not, out.
2: Not a good thing, but that's different I I I I made the assumption that the state was selling the land to a private yeah, person. Yeah,
1: yeah. So did I. So did I from that. But uh but he does say thirty thousand acres of publicly accessible land. Right. So it's it's gonna probably be the scenario where warehouses like we're selling it. Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma, do you want to buy it? The state of Oklahoma is going to go, we don't have the money to buy it. And so then they're just going to sell it to the next, you know, the private individual that's ready to go. That's the tough
2: part of this game in some of these places is I'm a, I'm a giant uh, fan of and willing to fight for public lands. But I'm also the exact same way about a private landowner's right, whether it's an individual or a corporation. Wirehouser has every right. Wirehouser has no obligation to hold onto that land to keep it accessible to the public, right? If, if it's not in their business model, right? Um, and you know, thirty thousand acres is is a beast. I've seen lots of examples of there's 160 acres, and local sportsmen's groups get together and. Buy it and give it to the state, or mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's there's those things that happen. But thirty thousand acres is,
1: yeah, thirty thousand
2: acres is a forty
1: million dollar transaction. You know,
2: yeah, that's that's uh, the Chickasaw County, Oklahoma Sportsmen's Club is going to have my have have trouble wrangling the forty million for that deal. Yep.
1: Yeah. Well, talking about public and private access and private lands tomorrow. The double episode drops that everyone has been waiting for, um, in which we interviewed Hunt Quietly, Matt Ranella and his team, that does not, in, does not like the model that the land trust has created, and we also have a land trust on. They both created questions for each other, and we posed the questions to each other. Um, unfortunately, we will say this, we'll, 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 we'll say it now publicly, and we'll probably say it through our social medias. The, the squad cost issues that you had did not allow you to jump on the Land Trust podcast, uh, but it did allow you to jump on the Hunt Quietly podcast. And so the things that you had questions for Land Trust, you couldn't actually level at them. So I hope it doesn't come across that we, we were overly biased and overly pushing on the Hunt Quietly folks. It was just but the fact going
2: that... To, it, it, it's going to with me for sure. Right. I've, I've, I pressed. Um, and I don't, you know, you, you can say all this stuff and then people are going to listen to that one episode and think that I hate hunt quietly. And I, I don't, I, I love what those guys are doing. Um, they're hunters access and or the hunters that hunters for access Montana, which is a group that Matt, um, Ranella is a co-founder of, I think literally I've sent them money and I'm planning on going to Montana to help with that effort I believe in it so much Um, I just don't like I I think that that combined with land trust going out and getting the landowners I I think those two things are both phenomenal solutions to increase access that's Mm -hmm. what I think right now Mm -hmm. I also don't disagree With Hunt Quietly, the land trust could turn the whole thing into a giant economic thing that really increases the pay-to-play. That could happen. Um, But right now, all I see them doing is opening up land that there was no access to, and I don't get how that doesn't decrease the congestion on public lands if somebody can... The people that can decide to pay a little money and go through land trust.
1: Yeah. Um well we certainly here asked the questions, hard questions to both. Um, and obviously the history that you had with Matt just, you know, allowed for a little bit more livelier conversation between you and Matt.
2: Yeah, and I I think allowed for, which is, you know, your weird south no American ever said it, it allowed for, but it it uh it's exactly right. Like, Matt and I go at each other a little bit in that episode, um, but, but it ain't the first time, and, you know, I'm I'm 100% positive that Matt and I could still go have a beer and just laugh and joke and enjoy things. It's not, you know, people are going to... No one needs to come out of that episode thinking, I don't like Matt
1: Reno. He may not like me anymore, but I don't think that's... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, two great episodes uh makes you think on both accounts, you know, and allows you to form your own opinions and your own perspectives on sort of, you know, what you believe and why you believe it. And that's the whole point of the two episodes is to really you know, people get pushed into or maybe not pushed is the wrong is the wrong term here, but they form their opinions based on listening to X or Y and we want you to form your opinions because you've got information from a much, much broader set of individuals asking the tough questions that you've always maybe wanted to ask, but you've never had the opportunity to, or nobody's ever responded to your question. So here it is.
2: Here's my, I've had two day, three days to think about it.
3: Quick synopsis is I wish I think the internet has
2: allowed some people to think that they're accomplishing great things just by attacking others. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you that it's the reason that I love what Blood Origins does so much is because the vast majority of our focus is accentuating the positive. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean to sound like some frickin' rainbows and unicorns Guy, I'll fight and I'll I'll attack someone if they're really doing wrong. But man, I would love to see all of the energy. First of all, I like that Hunt Quietly is keeping an eye on Land Trust. Because if Land Trust just goes out and starts eliminating public access, I'll jump behind him in a sec. But I, I just they have such a great thing going with that hunters for access. And if they would just right now sit and put all their energy and focus behind that and grow it and get it going all over the country and maybe land trust opens up some of the landowners that just flat won't get into a government program or allow public access that way and we just truly together Hmm. massively grow the acres accessible to people Hmm. that to me seems like the answer and then I'm dumb enough that I just get locked into my ideas sometimes and think they're right. So well, I had a
1: great off the off offline conversation. Once we finished the podcast with Matt, I had a great conversation with him. Exactly to that point, I said, "Matt, you've only got so much bandwidth. You've only got so much energy to sort of put towards something." And he asked me, "Like, how did what happened with Blood Origins? Like, how did you get to where you are?" And I said, "Matt." You've got to, you'll, you'll evolve over time. You'll decide like what's important to you. And I think you're spreading your energy right now to the hunt quietly, to the influences, to the trophy shots, all the things that you are passionate about. But you're also extremely passionate about hunters having access. Imagine you took all of your energy and put it towards the hunter for access. Idea, the hunter for access program i said man wouldn't it be so amazing and in five years time you're making a post cutting a ribbon on your 10 millionth acre that you've opened up through hunters for access in terms of publicly accessible land
3: i said that would be incredible
1: and he 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 he, he listened and he was like you know you you certainly you know giving me food for thought." Um, I said, Matt, because at the end of the day, here's, here's how I see it. It, You're phenomenally passionate about, you know, dare we say calling people out and people doing wrong and whatnot. I said, but at the end of the day, you can't actually, there's nothing actionable there. You're never going to get people stopping, uh, putting dead animals on social media, which is one of his key points. You're never going to have companies stop paying for people to hunt. The pay-for-play model is always going to be there. Those things, though you are incredibly passionate against them, they're going to happen from here on out. Nothing's changing. But what you can change is you can build this program, this, this non-profit that you've created, Hunters for Access, and you can open up. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of acres, between now and in 10 years' time, that really speaks to what you're passionate about.
2: Right. And quite honestly, the most passionate thing he has against hunter influencers on social media, there's multiple issues. I'm not trying to simplify it, but the most passionate thing is that in his mind, and he's right, he's right. Someone goes to spot A and posts the big elk that they killed, they're increasing. People, people more people are going to hunt spot A right like that's that's the thing that's one and it was, so it becomes an individual access issue um yeah i i'm a i'm a huge Matt Ranella is a human being fan and a huge fan of the points that he makes i do not like his tactics um but That's my opinion versus his, and he's definitely a smarter human being than me. So maybe I'm the one that's wrong. Uh,
1: well, getting on with um, getting into the roundup. Just want to give a big shout out to a couple of conservation club members. Uh, Big Chino's been with us for a while. If you want to hunt Arizona, they do a lot of over-the-counter hunts for elk and mule deer. Uh, Also, if you draw a beautiful tag in in Arizona, don't hesitate to call up. Uh, senior and junior at Big Chino Outfitters. Uh, another one of our, our phenomenal outfitters that have been with us from the beginning. We've done a project with them. You've hunted with them twice, John X Safaris, Carl Fanzale, and um, and the team there is just, they just do great work, man. You know, right? You've seen it. For, you've seen, I haven't actually seen the soccer field uh, that we created with them, but they just constantly giving back, constantly giving back to the community, constantly doing the right things. And then um, lastly, but uh, certainly not least, a company that sort of helped Blood Origin stand up, Stone Road Media. Uh, they run our website. Uh, they keep everything uh, sort of going smoothly on that end. Uh, so we much appreciate Stone Road for and those three companies for joining our conservation club. Absolutely.
2: Couldn't do it without them. John S. Exactly. Safaris is the only people that I've ever hunted with in Africa. So I, I'm not giving you an experienced opinion, but they're definitely people that you can eliminate your worries. I think a lot of American hunters just create a bunch of issues. They, they exist. They're, they're, there's bad outfitters in Africa. There just there just is. There's bad outfitters also in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um John X is definitely a group that eliminates those concerns and takes care of you. Their main focus is literally you having a great experience, and uh, I have already rebooked.
3: Outstanding. Outstanding. When are you going again? Uh, Late next year. Late 2024. Nice. Very, very, very nice. Um... And
1: then, uh, yeah, we've got a couple of. um... Sorry, I'm a little distracted here. We've got a couple of articles that we want to cover that have come up in the latest news uh, cycle. Um, First and foremost, uh, we'll stick at home for for a second. Um, Did you see in the Louisiana Illuminator? Um, we've been talking to Louisiana Department of Fisheries and Wildlife for quite some time now. They've done a yeoman's job when it comes to conservation work down there, specifically alligators and black bears. And the title of the article was "Want to Hunt a Louisiana Black deer, Bear? Some Do." Legislators want to study the idea of hunting Louisiana's official state mammal. Thoughts,
3: Cody? Um, you
2: know I. To me, it really seems like a, uh, it really seems super simple to me that you just got to follow the science. And it's science that I don't necessarily have the knowledge on. Um, But if they have enough black bears to create a huntable, you know, if they have a population that's healthy enough to be hunted, why wouldn't you manage them with people that are willing to give the state money to do that?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting piece, right? The Louisiana Black Bear, they were listed as threatened. They put down the, uh, the ESA. They've, um, they've done a really good job of bringing the, the population back. Um, and I think they tried to put this uh, sort of to the legislature to hunt, and it really did not get any traction. There's, there's also another thing happening in the state right now that is, I think there's a lawsuit happening with Fish and Wildlife Service. I can't remember now. Um but so they, they sort of pulled back the idea of opening up the state to hunting black bears. Um and rather they want to do as this as this article suggests, is sort of just study the feasibility of what black bear hunting looks like in the state. Where would it happen? It wouldn't be a statewide thing. There's certain areas in the state that black bears can't be hunted, the population isn't correct. Oh, in, isn't at a point where they can be hunted, but specifically in the northeast area, the where near the rivers, they certainly are doing very, very, very well. Um, there's an estimate. There's an
2: estimate in the article of a of a, a population of 500.
3: And I don't want to be the uh... that was
1: 2016. So wildlife officials estimate the Louisiana black bear population, when it was removed from the threatened list in twenty sixteen, had doubled to about five hundred across the state. Right. Right. Did, have you seen? I'm actually. I actually had a voicemail from the guy, the the new bear biologist at LD uh, FW, and uh, hopefully I can get up with him today to get a, a new estimate. But I think it's. I think it's in the like two to three thousands right now. But I could be wrong.
2: 750 to 1,000 number. When was that? 2021.
1: Yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's, you know, 1,500 to 2,000. I'll find out from the guy. He left me a voicemail.
2: Yeah.
3: And I think, I I think when you're, when you're, uh,
2: you know, when you're dealing with those kind of population numbers, the hunting of them is a much harder sell. Right, I mean, compared to Colorado, sixteen thousand in not a drastically different geographical space. Colorado's bigger, but Louisiana is still a big state. Mm -hmm. Um, so you know, I I think it's great. There's, I I think it sounds like everything's happening exactly how it should in this environment. Honestly, they're starting to talk about it. Is it too early? Is it not early enough? Do we do fifty tags? You know, all of those conversations happening um, and probably they'll take it slightly too slow and in another five years there'll be 7,000 and all of a sudden there's more than 50 trash cans a year getting you know I mean it's just it sounds to me like they're doing everything right down there by starting to have the conversation and somebody obviously is doing a good job of bringing the population back because it kind of looks like it's doubling every two to three years.
1: Oh, and that's the that's all on the locals, right? The local farmers, the farmers that are like, okay, we understand. Like I used to work with farmers back in the day when I was in the consulting game, uh, especially in the water quality consulting game. There were farmers that had, had won the the conservationist of the year from the state because of their work with um, because of their work with black bears. And they, obviously, there's some you know some some conflict, right? Some some crop conflict that they've just got to sort of live with. And that's just anything when it comes to wildlife, and you value wildlife, and you want to see more. There's there's a give and take, and the farmers specifically in the northeast section of Louisiana, because that's the delta, right? That's where they're growing the corn. That's where they're growing the the, the soybeans. Where they're growing the cotton. and They've got black bears everywhere.
2: Yeah. Now that I am a farmer. I, oh my God! That loves wildlife. My farm, by please everyone take that as a joke, because my my farm is uh, about thirty square feet by fifty square feet, but uh, but thirty feet by fifty. Um, yeah, no, and I I really love watching the squirrels and the mule deer all over my property. Um, but I've thrown. I drilled a mule deer in the rump with a rock the other day that was standing eating my butter legs. It was a pretty solid throw, actually. For as old as I am, I hit it right in the butt with a rock. Um, And I now have an electric fence, and I ordered these things off of Amazon that are solar-powered motion detectors that sound a siren and flash a strobe light.
1: Oh, my God. And they
2: worked phenomenally for like a week and a half. And now the deer just stand there and eat while the siren and the strober. They're like, we know this is not going to hurt us anymore.
1: So are you saying that your farming operation is big enough that you may apply for a depredation permit here soon? Possible. Possible. Possible? I've actually interesting. Made,
2: you know, I know you're cracking a joke right now, but I've actually made the call. Um, <laughs> and and the, the next escalation is uh, rubber shotgun bullets.
1: Oh my God. Bean bags. Which is gonna
2: involve me just sitting in the garden all night, I guess, waiting for the deer to come. Please video um, it. Please video it. Oh yeah, yeah. We got some cameras out there. I got I got a pretty good picture of a deer getting shocked by the electric fence and skyrocketing up in the air. Um That's too but, funny. Yeah, no, it yeah, just balance, right? It's hard to I will say if you can't bait in Colorado, but if a person was going to bait mule deer. A butter lettuce is it? A three dollar pack of butter lettuce seeds, which will grow anywhere. Right? You don't even have to have a brain in your head to grow butter lettuce. It just grows. Holy mackerel! They'll fight right through the electric fence to get to the butter lettuce. <laughs> anyway, right. I, I think Louisiana is doing it right. I think it's good that someone brought it up. I don't know population wise, you know, I don't understand that really. when when is a biologist if you're bringing a population back? You have to account for, okay, if we're gonna let hunters go get X number of them, oh, also what if that year we have a horrible drought and that you know you have to account there are a whole bunch of factors that you have to account for to make sure that your that your population is at a good, huntable population. Um, and I don't know what that number is, but it sounds to me like Louisiana is having the right discussion.
1: Yeah, and they're certainly going to get to a point where they're going to have a population that needs to be managed, and that's one of the key things in this, this article. You know, I think them utilizing the word management is a very smart tactic um, that, you know, they're not opening up the season for black bears to be hunted yes that is going to happen but most importantly they're interested in managing the population um, so that they mitigate those conflicts um, that we just talked about so cool article great stuff louisiana hopefully we can help showcase through an infographic or two the the great work in terms of uh, black bears growing in population size in louisiana um Two other articles came out this week, and they're pretty timely. they're both tied to Africa and trophy hunting. Uh, the trophy hunting debate is, is never going to be over, um, but it's actually ramping up a little more than usual right now because I think it's either I think it's June the 17th, the first reading in the House of Lords about the trophy hunting bill comes up. It's made it passed out of the House of Commons in the UK and now it's going to the House of Lords. And so, there's two articles that we that we um, that we have in front of us. One's an article and one's actually a podcast. And I'll start with the podcast first. I know you probably haven't listened to it, Cody, but Sky News is obviously a journalistic press outlet in the UK in England. And they're typically not well known for being pro-hunting, right? They seem to be very biased, even the presenters, when a hunting person's on they, they certainly have an opinion that hunting is bad. But there is a, this, they've just released the podcast, which is their version of like NPR daily. It's called Sky News Daily. And the article, and the, the podcast is titled Trophy Hunting The Row, the Row About Conservation and Colonialism. And surprise, surprise, they had the MP, the guy who championed the bill on there, um, Zach. No, it's not Zach Goldsmith. It was... Um, I can't remember his name right now. Actually, let me read it quickly. Jeremy um, Gold, Dickman... Oh, and Henry Smith. Henry Smith. Uh, Henry Smith's the MP. But they had Jens Ulrich Herg from the Nordic Safari Club. They had Amy Dickman on there, a vegetarian who is for evidence-based uh, hunting. How Evidence-based wildlife conservation, which uh has shown to hunting to be one of those evidences to show uh benefits to conservation and then Maxi Louis um Pia Louis from Namibia who represents the community conservancies in in Namibia so actually 3 pro hunting to 1 anti which is Henry Smith which is amazing um i don't know why they didn't uh interview um, Will Travers, the Born Free CEO. Maybe they did. Maybe it didn't fit with what they were looking for. I say that all to say a very pro, pro hunting message coming out of Sky News, which was quite amazing.
2: Pro hunting in the sense of I, I think Amy Dickman is, is one of those people that, like, really, and anytime her name is mentioned, like, I, my ears, like, I really perk up because yeah. I think, uh, She's a great example
3: of someone who realizes the that the best solution may
2: not be the one that makes her happiest. Is that, you know what I mean? Like, I think if Amy Dickman could figure out how to save, save, you know all the animals in Africa, and there not be any hunting, that would be her choice. I, I really do think that correct um, but but she just looks at facts and you know and uh and, and the facts are even even if you if you're not a fan of hunting, if you're a fan of healthy wildlife populations, there are areas in Africa where you better hope they don't outlaw hunting. Amy Dickman mm-hmm. A scientist who is not a hunter actually doesn't really like hunting has been on the ground and realized that so Mm -hmm. he's uh he's a person who anytime her name's mentioned i i listen to what's being said
1: Mm -hmm. and look you're right she is not she would say this herself she is not pro hunting she doesn't like it she doesn't like trophy hunting whatever descriptor you want to call it she doesn't like it but she as a scientist is not going to Look past the evidence that shows that hunting is beneficial for wildlife conservation, which is essentially what you said, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, and 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 just wicked smart, which mm-hmm. helps, right? Mm-hmm. It, always, it always helps to have the smartest person in the room, um, agreeing with your position
1: on. Yep. Well, anyway, that was a good podcast. Have a listen to it. It's pretty short. It's twenty twenty two minutes, um, so you can listen to that. Then the other thing that came out last week, and we actually have podcasted, I have podcasted since it came out with the author, is a piece out of Biographic. And Biographic is a Californian online distributor of journalistic articles tied to the environment. They're funded by the California um, uh, Science Institute, I believe, or Institute for the Sciences or something like that. and what's important about this article for you to know before we get into it is that it is, uh, it is allowed to be fully syndicated. So anybody, anywhere who wants to reproduce the article can. That's the beautiful thing about it. The article was written by a journalist out of Brooklyn, New York. She actually, well, she's not out of Brooklyn. She actually lives in Brooklyn, New York. She's actually from Biloxi, Mississippi, Cody. Can you imagine her discovery that I. Lived on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi for nine years. She was like, that oh. was right. It was a, a, a jaw-dropping moment. But anyway, Rachel Neuer is a independent journalist out of Brooklyn, New York. She works with the New York Times. She works with some really big journalistic um, publications, and. You'll, when you listen to that, article, uh, that podcast with Rachel, you'll find out that this piece was actually sold to a much, much, much larger magazine. She didn't, she didn't name the magazine. And when the magazine read this article, they said, we, are, we cannot publish this. And they said, you need to change it to, you haven't looked at the other side. You haven't looked at the people who hate hunting. And she goes, no, I... From a journalistic integrity perspective, I have done my due diligence. Four years of interviewing. She interviewed eighty different people. And she put her foot down and she said, "No, this is the story. This is the truth, essentially." And the magazine let it go. And she was fortunate enough biographic to pick it up. It's a seven thousand word piece. It's a monster monster piece. So you need a little bit of time to read it, but it is very, very, very well researched. you can tell by the depth of it, she has come under obviously a lot of scrutiny from the anti hunting establishment around it. Uh, but it's a phenomenal piece. um I just and, and just talking to her, you know, she, she grew up in the South, she grew up around hunting, but she doesn't hunt. She lives in New York, um, and she just felt like the... You know, when you got into the trophy hunting debate, she felt like it's so polarizing because people's opinions and viewpoints as everything in today's society is being formed by essentially any information you can find online. And she was like, man, there's no real substance to like the pieces that she's reading online. And so she wanted to to take on the story. And that's what she did. Yeah, amazingly enough, I
2: pretty much ignored it when you sent me these articles because I do that sometimes and then just wing it. But I read this. Oh, thanks, man.
1: Much appreciate you.
2: Yeah. I'm just being, (laughs) I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to be honest. I read this article in its entirety when it came out. Um, if you like, like long form, detailed analysis of a thing, which I love, I, I, uh, I, I love when someone goes deep. Um, and I think that Rachel did a great job here. And again, I just wish on this issue that people would look at the facts, you know, look at, look at, what rachel's saying what amy dickman's saying what adam hart's saying the people that are on the ground um and i just don't understand how the people of the united kingdom aren't pissed that their government is spending so much time on this you know like Mm -hmm. like because in anyway, i don't want to go we've been down that rabbit hole a million times um to me it's it's uh neo-colonialism and uh the people of Africa are doing, well, is it a lot of the people in Africa are doing phenomenal things to protect their wildlife populations and conserve their wild lands. And uh, the United Kingdom's really, they, they found a backdoor way to try and control what Africa's doing.
1: Well, you'll actually hear Henry Smith say it's not just Africa, because, and it's true. Their, their trophy hunting ban was worldwide. Uh, it has been diluted now. The one that the version that's going to the House of the Lords is endangered species only, but that still has polar bears on it. So, you know, that's Canada, that's Greenland, that's whoever else has polar bears. Um, they're, they're pointing their finger at them too.
3: If they took the money
2: that they've used in the however many years-long discussion, like, that, that, that that's my thing, is I just, if they took all that effort and just put it into a good conservation project somewhere, all the money spent, just the freaking electricity in the House of Commons keeping the lights on while they talk about this for years and years and years, it's a, what a giant waste of space and breath and time and money and treasure.
1: Yep. Well, dude it's good to have you back um it's um been a long time and uh got some good things cooking behind the scenes got some great documentaries um getting closer and closer on wire and water coming out uh from zimbabwe not coming out but being finished color graded i looked at the color graded version and it is oh un-freaking-believable it is it is like magician shit when you look at an uncolor graded version of content versus a color graded version of content it is un freaking believable
2: yeah that's the joy of working with people that are good at their job yep yep
1: but we have got some good shit coming uh, stay tuned tomorrow um, as as the the, the the public and private land access uh, podcast come out tomorrow uh, as as all Always, you can reach out to us through email, info at bloodorigins.com, or you can text us at Cody
2: 620-860-4804.
1: 620-860-4804. Text us, let us know uh, what you like, what you don't like, what we should be paying attention to, and what you'd like our opinions on. Cody, uh, I know the Greenhouse is calling your name. It is.
2: In fact, I got a neighbor coming over because I gotta get rid of some plants. Like I have forty seven tomato plants right now. And I I got I called my neighbor and said, Come here at ten o'clock and take tomato plants because I have too many.
3: All right, big guy. Holler if you need anything. Sounds good. Bye bye.
1: Well, that's it for today. Appreciate you listening, as always.